It's my privilege this morning to introduce our guest speaker. I was going to say guest pastor because I feel that Stephen's got a pastor's heart. So um, I had the privilege of uh, going on missions with uh, the team that Steve led to India last year. And uh, Steve's also one of the elders of the church. And yeah, I think him and Yvette are like one of the pillars of the church. And for those of you that know Steve, he's like a real legend. Hey, Steve. <laughs> so he's going to share the word this, this, this morning with us. So let's just give a hand and welcome him. Hey, good, uh, good morning, Chris. I know Andre uh, normally well, or introduces Sonica, and Sonica introduces Andre when, when they do this sermon. Um, and I know last week I, I introduced Alan, now Alan introduced me, but he's not my wife. Don't worry. <laughs> this is Alan's beautiful wife. My wife is somewhere at the back. Um, but um, yeah, don't you just enjoy that, that picture there of little David and massive Goliath? Faith that produces action. This morning we're speaking about faith that produces action. But before I get into the message, um, have you ever wanted to, to come to God? Have you, have you ever wanted to spend time with God, um, read your Bible or start praying or whatever, but then have this feeling of guilt? You, you, you have this feeling of guilt because... Like maybe the last couple of days you haven't been praying. Maybe the last couple of days you haven't been spending time in the Word. Maybe it's been weeks since you've spent time in the Word of, or, or have been praying. Is there anyone like that? That if you, you wanted to, to come to God and spend time with Him, but when you actually, before you come, you actually get this guilt, and it actually pushes you away from spending time. Is there someone like that this morning? Okay, great. It's not just me. Now, this, this past Wednesday, uh, Monday, um, this, this exact thing happened to me. I, I woke up and um, I wanted to spend time in the Word. I wanted to read some Scripture. But suddenly this thought popped into my head saying, Stephen, but you didn't read Scripture yesterday. And I started to actually feel guilty. But um, what was cool is that, it, or just after that, another thought popped into my head. And this thought actually reminded me of a Scripture in Revelations that speaks of the devil being the accuser of the brethren, being the accuser of believers, of, of us, of, of Christians. And it says that the devil never stops accusing us day and night. And after I heard that, that voice or that in my head, that thought, immediately the guilt, guilt went and I had excitement again to, um, to, spend time, to spend time in the Word. Now, just before we get into the sermon, I just wanted to give you guys a hint or a rule of thumb how to discern the Holy Spirit's voice from the voice of the devil. Now, we can do a whole sermon on, on this topic, but I just wanted to give you a, a rule of thumb. And it's actually quite easy. The devil, if you hear the devil's voice, it's always accusing. And it brings guilt and it pushes you away from God. Devil's voice, guilt, he accuses, he brings guilt and it pushes you away from God. or makes you less keen to spend time with God. The voice of the Holy Spirit brings encouragement, it excites you, and it actually draws you towards God. Okay, so I'm just going to put that out there. I just want to leave that with you guys. Um, just keep that in mind when, when I'm speaking this morning. Yeah, listen, listen to the voice that you, or be, um, be aware of the voice that you're listening to, because there's four voices here this morning. My voice, I'm speaking to you, you hear me. There's your own voice, the, the things that's going on in your, your mind, maybe you're thinking of the past week or the week to come, or maybe you're thinking about going to the beach after the ser- sermon. Um, then there's two other voices, like I said, the voice of the devil and the voice of the Holy Spirit. So just be atten- attentive to which voice you listen to this morning. Well, let's just pray before we get into the message. God, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege. What a privilege, God, to share the word, Lord. What a privilege to, to be, a, be a vessel this, this morning, God. And I just commit myself, I commit every word that I speak, I commit to you, God. Use it, Lord, anoint it as it goes out from my, 
from my mouth. Thank you, God. I can come to you. I come this morning as an ordinary person, but also as a son of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We welcome you here as a teacher. Come and teach us and break open our understanding on this, specifically on this topic of faith this morning. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about faith and specifically about faith that produces action this morning. And um, there's a specific group of people that, that I want to talk to or speak to this morning. I'm going to tell you who you are in a, in, a, in a few minutes. But when we look at the piece of scripture in, in Matthew 17, we find that Jesus is coming down from a mountain. He's been spending some time um, with some of his most or some of his favorite um, disciples. And he's, he's coming down the mountain. He's coming into this village area where there's loads of people standing around. There's one guy comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, please heal my boy. My boy um, is epileptic and he's been having fits over and over. Um, and I've even taken my boy to your disciples, your disciples that were in the village, but um, they weren't able to help me. They weren't able to, to heal me. Can you please do something? Can you please heal, heal my boy? Now we get into the piece of scripture there in Matthew 17, verse 17 to 20. Let's just listen to um, Jesus' response to that. Matthew 17, verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, let's say faithless, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, let's say unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be moved from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, isn't it not interesting the way that Jesus reacts? Isn't it not interesting that Jesus first addresses the faith, faithlessness or the unbelief in his disciples before he heals the boy? Think about that. Jesus is love, right? And he's super compassionate on people. So, going to heal the boy, going to love on the boy, that would have been quite high on Jesus' priority list, wouldn't you say? But interesting enough, he doesn't, he doesn't go and heal the boy first. He first addresses the faithlessness and the unbelief in his disciples. Now, what does that tell us? It shows us how badly Jesus wanted his disciples and how badly Jesus wants us to understand this concept of faith. How badly God wants us to live a life full, full, full of faith. You know, this is emphasized in the second piece of scripture there. When they come and ask him again, God, why couldn't we, or Jesus, why couldn't we heal the boy? And again he says, it's because of your faithlessness, because of your unbelief. But if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you would have been able to tell this mountain to be cast into the sea, and it would have gone. So who am I speaking? Who's the first group of people that I want to speak to this, um, this morning? If you have been praying um, for a mountain to be moved, and you haven't seen any results, then you're in the right place. I want to speak to you. What are the mountains that that Jesus refers to, the mountain is simply obstacles, hindrances in our life. It can be depression, it can be sickness, it can be resistance in, connection, in connecting with God, resistance in connecting into the Spirit. It can be poverty, whatever. If you've been praying for obstacles such as that, and you haven't seen results, or if you are currently praying for obstacles such as that, and you haven't been seeing results, then you should listen this morning. Why? 
Because scripture speaks of um, the fervent, if the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, that avails much. Remember that scripture, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That implies that it's also an ineffective prayer that doesn't produce anything. So if there's an ineffective prayer that doesn't produce anything, and, there's, and you're telling me this morning you're praying for some obstacles or have been praying for obstacles and haven't seen any results, then I'm not saying it's 100%, the chance, 100% the case, but there's a big chance that you're praying faithless prayers or ineffective prayers. And I don't know about you, but I want to pray effectively. I want to pray for prayers that produces fruit and sees results. Amen? But there's also another group of, of people that should listen, um, listen here this morning. I'm going to take you to two more scriptures to show you who, who you are. The first scripture is Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Let's say that. Saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works that anybody should boast. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. You see, this message is not only for people that want to pray more effectively. The message of faith is much more at the core of Christianity. Faith is the foundation and it's the basis through which we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. Faith is a foundation and it is the basis through which we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So maybe you're not interested in praying effective prayers yet. But uh, just the fact that you actually came this morning, that you woke up and in this beautiful morning decided to come to church, shows me there's something about a relationship with Jesus Christ that interests you. There's something about a relationship with Jesus Christ that draws you. And this morning you're in the right place because I want to speak to you as well. Now, if you're still not convinced that you should be listening to the message this morning, well, you're here in any case, so you might as well just listen or at least pretend to listen. No, I'm just joking. So we, we're speaking on the topic of faith, specifically faith that produces action. But if faith is so key to our relationship with Jesus Christ, if faith is so key to our salvation, if faith is so key for our prayers to be answered and for us to live lives of overcoming, then surely we would love to get two questions answered. The first question being, what is this faith, Stephen? What is this faith that you're speaking, speaking about? And the second one, how do I increase my faith? So let's start there with the, with the first question. Let's start to address the first question. What is faith? We're going to be looking at Hebrews 11 and go through um, Hebrews chapter 11 because it gives us a whole lot of insight on, on what faith is. And in Hebrews 11, chapter 1, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1, um, we find the biblical definition of what faith is. It says, Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. Let's read that together. Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the things not seen. You see, faith is not blind in the sense that it doesn't see the situation as it is. Faith sees the situation as it is. It sees all the obstacles in the way. But then it chooses to put its trust in God's word. It chooses to make God's truth and his promises a high reality. And most, most of the time, God's truth and his reality is, is unseen at the time. 
But by faith, we choose to make God's, um, God's promises and His word a higher reality than what, what we see in the physical. I mean, just think of Abraham. When God told Abraham that his, um, his children will be as numerous as, as the stars in the, su- in the sky, his children will be as numerous as the, sea, uh, as the sand on the seashore, all the facts were pointing in the other direction. He was an old buddy, him and his wife. They were poster. Uh, old buddy is the old person, you know, for the English. Um, he was an old person, poster, poster age. Him and Sarah were old people, <laughs> poster age of bearing, of bearing, um, bearing children. Yet he chose to believe God's promise, which said, you know, which said he will have descendants as numerous as the stars, and he received that promise by faith. In the book, Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth, he says it in the following way. Listen carefully. When we base faith on our improvement or are affected by our symptoms or by what we see or feel instead of by the word of God alone, just to that extent, ours is not real faith. To be occupied with what we see or feel is to exactly reverse the condition God lays down for us to follow. Can I read it again? When we base our faith on our improvements or are affected by the symptoms, or affected by our symptoms, or by what we see or feel, instead of by the word of God alone, just to that extent, ours is not real faith. To be occupied with what we see or feel is to exactly reverse the condition God lays down for us to follow. And in his book, he, <clears throat> he uses this example. He says, he says if you tell your, your daughter, right, you tell her, I'm going to buy you a dress. Right? You, I, you say, my daughter, I promise you I'm going to buy you a dress. Then you see your daughter run to the mirror and she looks at the mirror and she says, yo, but I don't feel more dressed. I don't, I don't look more dressed. Um, I don't even see any dress. And then starts to doubt your promise. You're going to say, my daughter, you're ridiculous. You know, the, the fact that I'm going to buy you a dress, my promise is not, um, it's not uh, dependent on how you feel or what you see. My promise is dependent on my word and the integrity of it. Now, if we as, as human beings want our children and people to believe and trust in what we say and trust um, them to trust our promises, how much more do you think a loving God wants us as his children to trust his promises and to believe what he, what he tells us? You know, a couple of years ago, um, when I was still a student, we were on the border of, of Baitbridge. Who knows where that is? It's between South Africa and, and Zimbabwe. And uh, we were on a mission trip, about 20, 20 students going to, towards Malawi, and I was um, heading up the transport portfolio. Um, and man, the Bait Bridge border post is like just chaos there. In any case, so we, we were going through um, getting everybody's passport stamped and getting all the necessary documents signed off and et cetera, et cetera. And we had this last document that needed to be stamped so that we could actually go through into, into Zimbabwe. Um, but the problem was the officer... Uh, when we told him, asked him to stamp it, he said, no, but you need this special letter, a letter that says that you're a non-profitable organization. So um, we tried to explain to him, you know, we are a bunch of Christians, we, we're going on a, on, on a mission, we all pay towards the mission, but we're not, no one is receiving profit from, from this. Um, we just, we pay to get the, the costs covered, you know. But he wanted n- none of that, and he just said, no, you needed this, this letter. And I went back to him about three or four times, and each time he just said, Sorry, no. And after the fourth time, he really got ag- um, agitated and aggravated with me. And he said, no, you're not going through. I'm not stamping your pass, and you're not going through. And he says, the closest place for you to get that letter is in Pretoria. 
which is like more than a thousand k's from, from the border. And we had just come from that with a bus. That's like a day's travel. We didn't have a time to travel a day back and travel a day back to the border again. So I was starting to feel quite bad because I'm responsible for the transport portfolio and I should have probably, you know, organized this, this letter. But um, anyways, I go to my, my leader and I tell him, this is the situation. He says, okay, we should inform the team. And we go to the team and we inform, <coughs> inform the team. Now, at this point, I was super over it. You know, I was down and out. I, I was just like, I'd have given up, <laughs> actually. And uh, the team was like so excited. They said, yeah, but, you know, let's pray. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's probably a good thing, you know, to do when you're on missions to pray. Um, but I was just, because I was still so over it. So I was just sitting in the bus and they got out the, the guitars and started worshiping and, and started praying and declaring things and what you're not, seeing pictures and everything. I was just resting. I was just trying to get some sleep. And um, after about 10 or 15 minutes, they stopped. The one lady just said, no, it's, it's fine now. She feels the burden has lifted. Um, we can go through. No worries. And I said, okay, no, that's great. But um, maybe you should send to other people. I'm not going back, back to the office here. Um, I'm not going back to the office. Anyway, so our, um, our team leader and another guy went to the officer. And within like a few minutes, one or two minutes, they came out with massive smiles on their face. And we said, what, what happened? What, what went on? said, no, you won't believe it. Uh, we went into the same office, the same officer, asked him the same thing to stamp, and he said, no, I'm not stamping that thing. You're not going through. Then he takes the stamp, he takes the pass, he stamps the pass, and he gives it back to them. <laughs> and, the, and our leader, he says, they were kind of looking at each other and looking at him and, and saying, what now, can we go? And he said, yes, go. So we went. <laughs> so this is just a good example of, of me and putting my trust in the facts, because the facts were showing that we're not going through. But the team put their trust in God's word, because ultimately it was God that sends us. His word says we must go. And because they put their trust in um, God's word, we could go. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> okay, so we know what the biblical definition of faith is now. You know? Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It's the evidence of the things not seen. Faith puts its trust in the promises of God and the promises of God alone. It doesn't look to the, the facts or the situation. But what is faith? That's like a theory. That's like a definition. But what is faith? What does it look like? You know, what does it look like? And um, we're going to go through the rest of Hebrews 11. Um, we got, I'm going to run through quite a couple of the, the scriptures there because a lot of the faith giants or giants in faith is listed in Hebrews 11. We can learn something about faith and what faith looks like from each of them. So um, buckle your seat belts. We're going to pick up some speed. I hope I don't speak too fast. But um, first scripture then, Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith we understand. You see, faith opens up our understanding. There's understanding and a wisdom that can only come from the Holy Spirit. It cannot come from mere human intellect. In other words, you can be super intellectual, yet live your life like a fool. Or you can be an ordinary person in terms of intellect, and you can be full of wisdom. Because faith opens up our understanding. Second scripture, Hebrews 11 verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than kind, through which he obtained witness that he was made righteous. By, by faith, Abel offered. See, true faith will lead us to make sacrifices. 
will lead us to deny ourselves and to follow Christ. Okay, we're speaking about faith. Faith that produces action this morning. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his, his family. You see, faith will lead us to start projects to expand God's kingdom. Many of you would know that earlier this year we started reaching out um, to Southernwood, reaching out to the people in, in Southernwood. And um, as JP um, announced that the, on the 20th of this month, we're going to go again and just, just go love on the people and go and worship in the park. But we've um, go, gone to reach out in Southernwood now over the last good couple of months in different ways. We've just gone and worshipped in the park. We've gone and handed out free coffee and um, just you know, trusted God if there was someone that needed prayer. We've gone door to door or residence to residence and just speak, speaking to the people, trusting for divine connections. We've gone to the, um, the spa there in Southernwood and uh, just tr- trust God to illuminate some people um, or to somehow connect with some people and uh, to, to speak, speak to them. And uh, I just want to show you a, a video clip of uh, three short testimonies of what happened in the first, in the first week of our outreaches there in, um, in Southernwood. So by faith, we will faithful, um, let us start projects that expand God's kingdom. Okay. Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Abram obeyed. You, say, you see, faith would lead us to get out of our comfort zones. Because faith follows where Jesus is leading. You know, about two years ago, myself and, and Yvette, we, my wife, we were praying at home. And I had this random thought pop in my head um, that we should be praying for my brother and his wife, who, who's in the Cayman Islands, close to North and South America. Um, and I should specifically pray for them to um, bear children or to be fruitful, to, to fall pregnant. So I... I shared this with my wife, and, and we just prayed, prayed for that, and we agreed upon it. And that evening, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw my, um, my, wife, my brother's wife um, come to me, and she was pregnant. So I asked her, how, how long have you been pregnant? And she told me, I'm pregnant for, for one month. That's not in the dream. In any case, so that's the end of the dream, and I wake up the next morning. And somewhere along the, the day, I, um, I'm reminded of the dream again and what we, what we prayed for. Um, and I just feel the sense that I must... You know, I must communicate this to my brother. I must actually tell him what we've been praying for. But, but the problem is I haven't um, been chatting to my brother at that, that point, And I didn't know where they were at in terms of pregnancy. Was it a, like a, a sensitive topic for them? Um, are they trying to fall pregnant? They, they can't? Or I didn't know, know where they were at. In any case, by the Saturday, I, I'd muzzled together the, the courage. And uh, I typed a whole long mail explaining to him everything that we prayed for and what happened in, in the dream. And uh, I started the mail off by saying, like, this is not for Marita's eyes. This is not for your wife's eyes. Only Neil must read this. And uh, this is just what I feel God is saying. Um, if it's not of God, just delete the email and, you know, forget about it. Don't, don't think about it again. That's what I, I sent that mail to him on the Saturday. The Sunday afternoon, I received a phone call from my brother. He says, you won't believe it. The previous day, the Saturday, when I came home from rugby practice, my wife was sitting on the couch with a pregnancy test telling me she's pregnant. And later that afternoon, I read your mail telling that you've been praying for us to fall pregnant. Isn't that awesome? That's our God. He's so into the detail. 
you know, later they did the scans and, and um, <laughs> they, they worked back. That at the time that I sent the mail, um, she was about four, four weeks pregnant, which was what I received in the, in the dream. She's one month pregnant. God is even so much into the detail of what we do. You know, and that, that word that I gave to them, because I stepped out in faith, I didn't know what God was doing with that thing. But because I stepped, stepped out, God could use it and bless them. Because it was a promise for my brother and his wife to hold on to. Because it wasn't an easy pregnancy for, for her. But it was a word of God that they could hold on to. That can give, give them faith. And now little Zoe Ann is more than a year old. She's running around. She's healthy. And um, yeah, I'm just amazed. I just, I'm just standing amazed at what, what God is, is doing. So faith will lead us to obey. Obey God's voice. Even obeys God's word. Even if we don't know What's really going to happen? Hebrews 11 verse, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. See, faith blesses and leaves a legacy. A lot of the times we, we just think of ourselves and, and our current situation, but when God blesses, He blesses us. He blesses you and He blesses your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and so on. God doesn't only bless one generation. He blesses generations to come. So faith blesses, and it leaves a legacy. And the last one there, Hebrews 11 verse 21. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, we will worship. See, by faith, we will worship God, irrespective of how we feel. With faith, we make a choice to worship God. We choose to worship. It's not about a feeling, even if we dry, down and out, like me down and out there in Baitbridge, I should have made the choice to, to pray with the team. By faith, we, chose to, we choose to worship God, even if we're on our deathbed. So Stephen, what are you saying? What are you saying with these things? We've seen in Hebrews 11 that faith understands, faith offers, it builds, it obeys, it blesses, it worships. But here's what's important. If you forget everything else, this is what you must remember from, from this message. So get out your notepads, get out your your cell phones or whatever, you need to, you need to get, get this, that faith is more than mere belief. Faith always produces action. Let's say that faith is more than mere belief. Faith always produces, okay, let's say that. Faith is more than mere belief. Faith always produces action. You see, in the book of James, James actually says, he says um, that you do very well if you believe, but um, the demons also believe that there is one God. Now, that, that is not faith. And he goes on to, to warn against such faith, and he says, such faith cannot save you. He says, faith such as that, in fact, is, is dead. See, I've, I've heard many people say that, oh, you know, I just don't have faith. If, if only I had faith of so-and-so, then I would have prayed for someone to get healed, then I would have gone out and preached the gospel, then I would have done this or done that. But um, I want to ask you this morning, do you think that's okay? Do you think it's okay for us just to say that, yeah, I don't have faith, and then just to continue living lives, faithless lives? Do you think it's okay? Let me ask you in another way. If you get onto the plane now this afternoon, you fly to America, and upon arrival you are asked... Um, to produce your American visa. And you say, well, I just don't have an American visa, you know. They're going to say, well, then you must get on the next plane back home 
Because the American visa gives you access into America. And it's exactly the same in, in, in terms of the, uh, the kingdom of God. Faith gives us access into the kingdom of God. F- through faith we can access what is ever, whatever is in heaven. Andre always says, and it's so true, that faith is the currency of heaven. Here on earth we trade with rand and cents with money. If you want to buy something, put down money and you, you can call that yourself, your own. But in the kingdom of God, God only understands one thing. The only currency that God responds to is, is faith. So is it okay? Is it okay for us to live faithless lives? <laughs> but what to do? See, it's, it's okay to, to, to know that you don't have faith. And in a sense, we, we all have areas in our life that we don't have, have faith. And it's actually good to identify it. But we can't, we can't stop there. We need to ask ourselves, what, what can we do to get more faith? What, we, what can we do to grow, to grow in faith? So here we get to the second part of the message, the second question. How do we increase our faith? We find the, the answer in Romans 10, verse 17. Listen carefully to the scripture, or look carefully at the scripture. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How do I increase my faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing God's voice. So if you don't hear God's voice, like I said in the beginning, if we don't hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we've got nothing to base our faith on. We have no promise to base our faith on. All faith originates from God's voice. Faith comes from hearing God's voice. But the second piece of the scripture, how do we hear God's voice? How do we get ears? We get ears by knowing the scripture, by knowing the word of God. And hearing by the word of God. You see, faith comes by hearing the voice of God. By hearing the voice of God. That's where faith comes from. But to enable us to hear, we need to know the scripture. Because hearing comes from the scripture. Does it make sense? You hear what I'm saying? So we need to get the scripture into our minds. We need to get the scripture into our hearts. So I've listed a couple of things. How do, we, how do we train our ears to actually hear? I've listed three things there. First and foremost, we need to meditate on Scripture. We need to get Scripture, read Scripture, and get Scripture in our hearts. We need to memorize Scripture. Do whatever it takes to get Scripture in your hearts and in your mind. Get it, Scripture on your lips. Because that is where faith, that's, that's where your, your ears start to become open to hear God's voice. Now, the second thing there is, listen to biblical teaching that unlocks the Word of God, that unlocks the understanding of the Word of God. And in this church, we get a lot of that through Annika and so- Andre and Annika, uh, Andre and Sonica. We get a lot of that. I mean, through our Sunday services, we have our encounter courses. If you haven't done the encounter courses, sign up for the encounter courses. Do them. They will unlock your understanding of the Word of God. Life groups. If you haven't signed up for a life group, join a life group. Yes, it's a discussion-based small group, but it's, we also listen to biblical, or we watch biblical Teachings that unlocks, gives us, eye to, gives us eyes and ears to hear God's voice. Bible school, if you've got capacity, we've got Bible school equipping us to, to hear, hear God's voice. And thirdly, you know, it doesn't help if we do one and two, but we don't take action. That is like 
preparing for a marathon, carbo-loading the whole week before the marathon, but on the day, you don't go out to run. We can be full of scripture and full of a lot of knowledge and have a lot of understanding, but if we don't go, it it doesn't help. So thirdly, take action. Just go. Stephen, how can I take action practically? Okay, good question. You can come to Thursday evenings at night. Your first thing, you can come to Thursday evenings at night because in Thursday evenings we, we do warfare and you can participate in the warring against the kingdom of darkness. That's your first thing. Secondly, you can come and join the Southernwood Outreaches, 25th of this month. If you thought, or you thought of not coming or thought, yeah, you lost it, come. This is the, it's an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you to grow in faith. Missions, missions 2015, it's around the corner. If you haven't done missions yet, every Christian should do missions. I mean, I've got so many stories of, of so many testimonies of, of missions and uh, of, you know, of what God did on mission, uh, mission trips. There's something that happens when we get out, when we move from where we are comfortable and where we trust God, when we step out in faith, then God can come and He can bless. See, God can't steer a stagnant boat or stagnant car. If you hear and you say, oh God, move me, move me, move me, He's not going to move you. God, where must I go? But you're still standing. You're not going to go anywhere. You need to walk. And as you go, you say, God, where do I go? And then he says, left. Then he says, right. You must move in order for God to steer us. So you can see through those three points that faith produces action, always. Faith is always more than mere belief. Faith produces action. As I was preparing, I'm going to be wrapping up now. As I was preparing this this sermon for, for this morning in the last two weeks, I just... I had a feeling in my heart that there's going to be people here this morning um, that have lost their boldness. You've lost your, your vigor. You've lost your excitement. Um, yeah, you've, you've lost that zest in a sense. And you've just settled for sitting on the sideline. You've settled to, to be a bench warmer. And I know there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse like training with the team and the, um, warming up with the team. And then the team runs onto the field and you go to the reserve bench and sit down. I mean, that just sucks. <laughs> but um, I just felt God, God told me that there's some, some people, in a sense, you've settled for that. And he wants you to come and be a player in the, in the game again. So I want us to just, I'm going to do it this, a bit different this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want all of us to bow our heads and just forget about the person next to you. We're going to, so now going to play a, a, song, a song for us. And just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning. Coming this morning, Lord, and I just release a grace, God, and release a, a new boldness over your people this morning. Just release a boldness over your people, Lord. Hearts to be set afire, set alight again. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to conclude the, the service for this morning, and you can go and enjoy some coffee and tea and biscuits and fellowship. But if there's anything that you need prayer for, a couple of us are going to be here in front. Anything, questions you have or prayer for sickness or anything, you're more than welcome to, to come and chat with us. But just want to encourage you in this week, let's start praying this prayer. It's a simple prayer. It says, God increases, increase my faith. God increase our faith. God increase my faith. God increase our faith. So let's just pray that prayer together. God increase my faith. God increase our faith. Amen.